so, so there is that. And yes, I do think the FDA is watching what other states are doing. And there may even be a little, um, I, I mean, I don't know, a little, uh, well, embarrassment, we, you know, yeah. for, yeah, I mean, here we've been sitting for years saying that cannabis isn't safe and we have now we have so many cannabis state regulated cannabis programs and in hemp CBD, you know, we've been saying, oh, we need safety, safety, yet you have New York and Florida that have these incredibly comprehensive programs. This is the Empire State of Cannabis. Welcome to another episode of Empire State of Cannabis. I'm really excited today to welcome our guest, Tammy Wall. We're going to be talking about uh, the FDA, the federal government, what's next with the new administration, the new Biden administration. Um, so Tammy has worked as a legislative and regulatory counsel, general counsel, in-house counsel for entrepreneurs, small to medium-sized companies with expertise in the FDA, the USDA, the FTC, and Customs and Border Patrol, and has been lobbying uh, in cannabis on, on Capitol Hill for a number of years now. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, Tammy. My absolute pleasure. So, uh, so you know, it, it, it's good to have, you know, expert um, kind of outside New York, um, in DC and, and kind of seeing what's been going on on the ground because, you know, I think in New York, uh, we tend to put ourselves in this bubble, right? Nothing that happens outside New York matters, but it does. And it really does. And especially this past four years, we found out how much, uh, you know, policy in DC really does affect New Yorkers and, and what happens every day. So with everything changing, right? And, and a new administration coming in, Tammy, what, do you, what are you thinking? Do you think we're gonna see a lot of change around CBD and, and, and hemp-derived cannabinoids or do you think kind of more of the same, this slow process? Well, excellent question. That is, a, that is an excellent question. And I will start by saying what you, your, to your comment about what goes on in DC and the impact that, it's had, that it has on the state level. I, I do think the last four plus years have really, um, there's been a great opportunity for a little bit more of that balance versus everything just happening on the federal level. The states have taken in the initiatives on a lot of different um, causes. And um, so we, we've somewhat seen that as it should be, you know, as it should be, the states should have a very active role on what's going on within their own borders. And so that's been a great thing. Um, and we have certainly seen that in the cannabis space because it's a state regulated industry. Yeah. And as far as the, you know, the new administration, what's fascinating about what has unfolded is it's not, it's not a sweep one way or the other. Mm. So even though, um, I mean, it's probably not 50-50-ish, but when you look at what happened in the House and what's going on in the Senate and certainly what will be happening in the White House, uh, bipartisan is still the way to go and you're going to have to navigate. We're not going to have a landslide or broad consensus, um, you know, to kind of bulldoze those that don't agree with us. So we still have to find a way to uh, find that common thread and, uh, and then develop the top one to five things that we would like to achieve. Yeah. And, and so that's interesting because, you know, hemp has been that bipartisan issue in a lot of ways over the past four years that, that we've seen and it's something somewhat unique, right? Um, however, even though it's been bipartisan, we have you know the 2018 Farm Bill, we haven't been able to get legislation that's gonna direct the FDA on what to do with CBD and other hemp-derived cannabinoids, right? And so from, from your experience, do, do you think that with the new, I mean, 
So, so let's assume that um, you know the, the two seats in Georgia stay Republican, right? And and Mitch McConnell stays as the majority leader. Now he comes from Kentucky, you know, he, he's a big supporter of hemp, et cetera. But for some reason, we can't seem to get even for a vote, even in the omnibus bills, right? Even in the bills that, you know, um, we've got, you know, a bunch of policy in there. We haven't been able to see a bill that tells the FDA what to do. Do you think that's gonna change? Do you think there's room to change? Or do you think that's just kind of part of Washington where they, the FDA wants to exert that control and they don't wanna give that up? FDA is an interesting beast. And it, even within the broader botanical industry, it, ha it has always been somewhat of a, um, a less than friendly agency to deal with. But dealing with CBD, um, I haven't given up on maybe not definitive resolution before the end of this year. Although I, I do think one or two things will be coming from the Hill um, with some requests for FDA or for the agency. And so um, that'll take us through the end of the year. And then moving forward, um, we have a couple of things going for us. We certainly have the economic pressures. And mm -hmm. now that we have already cleared the growth cycle for the US hemp farmer this year, um, we will see how that settles out as far as the, any kind of overproduction or another way of framing that is, do we have inadequate buyers? Are those end markets being compromised to the point where, um, where we, it results in overproduction? Um, we also have that draft guidance sitting with OMB and, and I think a lot of um, on both sides are, are kind of waiting on that. What I anticipate that looking like, it's probably gonna, no grand surprises, it'll cover, cover labeling and manufacturing practices. And we can also expect some type of low dose enforcement discretion. So I'm not necessarily a fan of guidance um, documents because it, again, there are still, it can, has the potential to create market instability for the industry. But we have that guidance document that's sitting over there with OMB. And so, um, so that said, all of that said, um, and again, because we, we don't have, um, one party that will control both chambers in a, and so we still have to find some type of common language for that legislative fix. I'm a proponent of a legislative fix because I think it's the clearest and it's the simplest. Yeah. And, and I think we're close on what that actually would look like. So why do you think that guidance hasn't been released? I mean, I guess you could say, well, they're waiting for the election. Well, the election's over, right? For most people's minds, right? The, the election is over. Uh, we're moving on and we have another administration. And it would seem to me that, you know, uh, the majority leader and the minority leader, right, they both have stakes of, can, can we get this done? And for me, you know, almost, almost as, an, as an outsider here looking at it, the longer it takes for it to be released, the more I'm thinking it might not be the best news for the industry. Do you think that's accurate or? The, the longer um, that the, the guidance is held out of public purview? Yeah. That 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 it's that there's a reason, maybe a political reason, why it hasn't been released yet, right? Um, you know, this is, I mean, this is a somewhat new process that it has to go through management and budget in, in the White House, right? Um, and so, you know, it could have been been released last summer. And um, but why do you think there's such a holdup on this? Do you think there's a, a reason for it, or it's just getting caught in the in the clogs of bureaucracy here? 
Yeah, well, you know, one thing off the top, and I don't have anything to back this other than just knowing the dynamic. We, mm-hmm. we are in a very pro-business administration where dialing back on the regulations, and then we had some an executive order that came out this past May that was that dealt with COVID and the need to streamline mm-hmm. regulations. And so with that as the backdrop, and then you you have the a federal agency issuing a guidance that maybe maybe it wasn't as business friendly as mm-hmm. what the administration wanted. And so certainly, I I mean, politics is part of everything. um, And is, and I think there was a lot of fine tuning. I I mean, there were multiple parties on the kind of on the back end or on the inside, if you will, that were trying to work through that guidance document. And so, um, yeah, so here we are, but just from the top, it kind of makes sense that we're, unless it was a very pro friendly, pro business friendly guidance document that it wasn't released. Yeah. Okay. And so do you think there's any chance it gets released in the lame duck session or do you think it's going to be the Biden administration's decision? Yeah. Um, well, I haven't heard any rumblings of it, yeah. of, you know, to expect it to be released. And, you know, the big thing right now, so the two pieces of legislation, we have uh, the appropriations, how are we going to fund the government here come early December and then any other type of COVID relief package. And so appropriations, there, um, there's some report language in there that, again, encourages F- FDA to, you know, to advance the ball, move this on down the line kind of thing. And um, yeah, so yeah, I, have, I, yeah I, can't, I can't give you a direct answer on that guidance document. Yeah, I mean, so, so kind of who knows. So now, um, what would happen, though, if, say, 5587, HR 587. So a, a bill that would direct the FDA to regulate specifically CBD um, as a dietary supplement. What happened if that passed? Would the guidance document be still released or would the FDA kind of pull that back? I mean, I mean we don't know what it says, but you know, hypothetically, if there's this safe harbor, like you say, you know, some manufacturing guidance, some labeling guidance that says, okay, you know, CBD, we're going to allow it to be a dietary supplement in some ways we're not going to enforce against it if it's if it's quality if it's a supplement but if legislation came and was passed in an omnibus bill in a spending bill do you think that um that that would change the the process do you think the fda would actually pull that enforcement doc back no not necessarily because okay. there are for the most part there are two hurdles to market right now for for hemp cbd containing products and the first is fda's application of that drug exclusion rule and that is what both pieces of legislation pending legislation address right now just to i mean the second bill goes a bit further than that but the first, certainly 5587 that's all it does it clears the drug exclusion rule and so yes and FDA guidance on further instruction or guardrails on what you have to do to bring those hemp CBD containing products to market would be relevant, germane, and um, yeah, part of how FDA operates. Gotcha. And so I think the nightmare scenario for almost any entrepreneur in the in the industry, right, is that the FDA decides that, you know, Epidiolex, right, that drug approval path, the NDA, new drug approval path is the pathway for non-psychoactive cannabinoids. And if companies want to market non-psychoactive cannabinoids, such as as CBD, that they should go through the NDA process, right? And I think that is, like I said, I think that that keeps a lot of entrepreneurs, CEOs in the industry and whatnot 
up at night, right? And I think it drives a lot of the state action, which which I want to get into what happened here in New York State. But what do you think? Do you think that's a possibility, or do you think honestly that that you know we can all sleep better at night knowing that most likely there will be a path for supplements at, at the very least? Yeah, no, I'm quite confident. Hemp CBD will be, there will be a a clear path. And when I say that, that the application of that drug exclusion rule will be either narrowed um, or done away with in its entirety. So the the food, beverage, and dietary supplements um, will have access to that particular ingredient. I'm I'm glad that you mentioned the GW product because within Epidiolex and within their IND, when FDA was reviewing GW's IND, they explicitly kicked out that application um, from the botanical drug pathway because, mm-hmm. because the CBD is so highly purified that it's no longer considered a botanical substance. Okay. So depending on your particular CBD, we you know on the upper end, um, and, and going through an IND, you have the conventional pathway, which is what Epidiolex ended up doing. And then you also have the botanical drug pathway. And we know that to, um, as part of that within FDA, FDA has said, if you're gonna use the botanical drug pathway, that it has to be a botanical. Anything so highly purified, it's no longer a botanical and you're not eligible. So I, yeah, so I think we're gonna have the consumer packaged goods We'll have all of those categories. If you want to pursue the conventional or if you want to do a botanical drug, um, I mean, certainly there's OTC. Yeah. Yeah. Many, many options. So I was going to ask, it'd be because, you know, there is a situation where I think a lot of product manufacturers are going to say, well, I do want to make claims. You know, I do want to make a product that, you know, maybe doesn't, you know, help treat a disease as serious as Dravet, right? Or some sort of, you know, form of epilepsy but maybe it treats acne, right? And so the OTC, the over-the-counter monograph process is the way to go. So, so, so what you're saying is that you do think that there's gonna be lanes, right? There's gonna be maybe a food and beverage lane, but definitely supplement, OTC, and a, a prescribed drug lane that the FDA is gonna set up for non-psychoactive cannabinoids. And this is beyond CBD, right? Because we have CBG and CBN and all these other promising cannabinoids, but you think that the FDA will be prudent enough to set up those pathways. But absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, on the whole, hemp, CBD, CBG, all the cannabinoids, they're, they're just plant-based. They're botanical. So short of something uh, from a safety or a toxicity, they should all be eligible. And the, the, the unique thing about CBD is you had that, um, and it's still factually to be determined as far as which was first to market the broad and the full spectrum CBD, if you will, or Epidiolex and its studies. Yeah. So, um, but no, they're all eligible. And I think all of those pathways are very, um, depending on your specific ingredient, are viable pathways. And and so what about the food and beverage? Do you think, I mean, I think a lot of people would see that as, oh, well, that would be great, but I don't expect it, right? Um, but do you think food and beverage, like that, you know, non-psychoactive cannabinoids will be able to add it or some sort of, you know, botanical extract, including those non-psychoactive cannabinoids will be added to or allowed to be added to food and beverages in the future at some point? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and again, it depends on the, and the purpose of adding that ingredient is is for a technical purpose or is it there, will it, would it be some health attribute? You can, there's the food additive petition. um, And of course, again, if you're dealing with something that's um, 
not very potent, uh, you know, let's just say it's some kind of whole plant, something that you want to put into a food. And if you just want to do it um, as a food or if there's going to be some type of effect from it, and that's where you might be bumped into another category. Might be bumped into that supplement. So as soon as you say, well, there's an effect, you know, supplement, um, not necessarily just nutritional effect, right? right. Because now remember, uh, we have caffeine out there and mm. yeah, and there is, there's definitely an effect from caffeine. And there are a few other um, substances where you, where you can point to that. I mean, hmm. sugar is one, I don't like to point to that one, but you know, where there's an effect yeah. where you, where you notice something. So yeah. that's necessarily the disqualifier. So do you think that a lot, so that all being said, do you think that the nuances and the complexities and the multifacets of uses uh, is kind of the reason why things have been so slow to be decided by the FDA? The FDA is like, wow, this is much more complicated uh, than just us being able to decide this in a year time or a couple of years. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it is complicated and, and yet it's not. The, I do think what happened, the explosion within the marketplace and the consumer demand was just too much for the agency, quite honestly. You, the, the thousands of products that were coming into the marketplace, um, I won't say it caught the agency by surprise because we've been dealing with this for at least upwards of six years now, mm. and, and it just continues to increase. But um, yeah, I, it was it was unfortunate that we didn't um, that we didn't have more resources within the agency early on because now the the consumer demand is there and so the agency is trying to catch up in regulating the product categories. Yeah, yeah, I know, and you don't want to see that. I mean, so turning over to to New York and New York, just the Department of Health just released the the hemp extract regulations, much awaited for a long time, and finally, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but it's it, it it's been a little bit, but um, in there, you know, they are very strict about products being sold in New York, having to meet the requirements of the federal code on the GMPs, right? Um, and then they also allow for food and beverages up to twenty five milligrams a unit. Um, there is, you know, they allow vape products. So, but the biggest thing that it does is it says, well, we are categorizing it as a supplement and a food as an ingredient that you can add to supplements and food and beverages, um, you know, non-psychedelic cannabinoids. And it also took a broad look at cannabinoids, right? So where you see some of the legislation in, uh, in Congress look at only CBD, this looks at any sort of cannabinoids that are derived from hemp, right? Um, non-psychoactive, presumably. But so what do you think about you know, New York and I mean, Florida has some comprehensive regulations and you see other states starting to do so. Do you think that um, it's important for states to get ahead of the FDA on this? Do you think the FDA is watching the states and saying, okay, that could be a model? Or do you think this is all going to be a moot point once the FDA actually releases some, you know, serious, uh, you know, regulatory frameworks? Yeah, even if FDA, and it will happen eventually, but once that issue is resolved with FDA, I'm not sure if the states are going to relinquish. They have, it has been a significant investment, both from time and financial resources to stand up these programs. That's in the cannabis industry and certainly with hemp and CBD. And so for the states to take that upon themselves and protect their stakeholders, putting out those quality products, it'll be interesting if they're just going to be willing to like, 
you know, say, okay, you know, FDA, you got this now. Um, so, so there is that. And yes, I do think the FDA is watching what other states are doing. And there may even be a little, um, I, I mean, I don't know, a little, uh, well, embarrassment, we, you know, yeah. for, yeah, I mean, here we've been sitting for years saying that cannabis isn't safe. And we have now we have so many cannabis state regulated cannabis programs and in hemp CBD, you know, we've been saying, no, oh, we need safety, safety. Yet you have New York and Florida that have these incredibly comprehensive programs, in part because of very strong departments of agriculture that are in some of these states. Yeah. And they understand crops and plants. And so they're able to put in what they what needs to happen to bring a quality product to market. So, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, the balance between the states and the Fed. At some point, uh, where's the relevancy for FDA? If these products are still getting in the market, if the states are, are, are working with the hemp, hemp farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this, is, this is something the FDA is going to have to figure out because the industry is just going to grow, right? And we're just going to see new products and new innovations and new cannabinoids, new, you know, um, combinations of cannabinoids, terpenes, et cetera. Um, so on, when we talk about cannabis, you know, zoom out more holistically here and we look at, you know, legalization, I mean, the most conservative state in the country, South Dakota, just legalized by a landslide. I mean, even though the governor was so far against it. So what are you looking, what are you looking at right now as, you know, um, President like Biden puts together his cabinet, um, you know, names appointees, and what are you looking for to give you uh, some insights into how the next four years are going to play out or the next two years until the midterms are going to play out for cannabis more broadly? Yeah, two things on that. And I do love this question because I, um, the industry's at a point now where um, the state programs, we have plenty of years from the existing state programs to, you know, the societal harms just aren't there from standing up these programs and the consumer use, the safety, the lack of adverse events. So we have, we have plenty of data. What's going on on the federal level though, um, a couple of things to consider. Again, where it's not it's not all blue, and so mm. the the legislation that has been pushed though or introduced by Democrats for the most part to date have been um, just sort of broad sweeping social justice bills, yeah. and that that is absolutely part of it. Just as we have millions of patients that haven't had access, we have research that's been um, hampered. But all of that said, if you don't have business sense or a strong regulatory framework, you're, we're not going to just remove the substance from the Controlled Substances Act and then and let it be. You need a federal backdrop. And so I think we're going to that needs to come together and it needs to come. Um, you just need to have a business sense about it. And, you know, doing all the work that you've done in New York, you know, the importance of that to yeah. not only to um, free the plant, if you will, but then you need to regulate it as well in, in, yeah. a, in a business-wise way. Yeah, exactly. And, and allow the free market and allow businesses to innovate and to, to grow in, in a safe way. And so do you think, I mean, no matter what happens, I mean, even if you have a 50-50, do you think the MORE Act really has no chance of, of getting through? Because then we talk about broad social justice, it almost seems like a bill in some ways that isn't meant to be signed. Right. 
the more act, I mean, a 5% excise tax, right? You know, some of these, you know, farther reaching provisions, it almost seems like it is meant to be deliberated on and passed. But um, do you think that mainly we're looking at, you know, the state banking act or maybe the state's act as more of a reasonable outcome over the next two years or four years than say something like the more act? Yeah, well, yeah, no, I, I don't foresee the MORE Act moving. I, I mean, short of yeah. some significant amendments that were to clean up that bill. And, um, and again, I think, the, I think there's, there's enough interest now if you go in with a reasoned approach. We don't need the fragmented, we just, we, a banking bill or a research bill. We can put it all together. We have the data, we have the expertise, we know how to run markets. We know what's involved in the import-export market. And now we just need to put it together. Um, yes, and then certainly though, if there are enough pressure points, there can always be a legislative angle in there. And we can also work with agencies. I think by having, um, if, if you have a democratic, uh, if with the, the Biden administration, perhaps certain federal agencies will be more willing to amend or modify their existing guidance documents or including the IRS with 280E or you know, other agencies that have um, control over certain facets within the, in the regulated industry. So that might be one thing. Yeah, exactly. And so what are you looking at? Are you looking at the USDA? I mean, because we look at, you see Marcia Fudge, or height camp, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen there. But what agency uh, appointees or, or cabinet members do you think might have the most influence on the cannabis industry over the next four years? Well, excellent question, and um, and I'm glad that you that you framed it. You mentioned USDA because I think the default is when you're talking about federal oversight for cannabis for the most part, it's okay, how do we set this up within FDA? And I really push on that because FDA and DEA are the two key agencies on why we are in this situation. And so to kind of think out of the box, you know, it's 2020, 2021 here, we, I think we can have a more modern approach on working with, um, on working with this particular plant. And so USDA will be uh, will be key. We have such a healthy relationship, I think, with AMS, which is the division within USDA that stood up the hemp the hemp production program between um, that division and what's been going on on the state level. And I think there's been. Um, you know, when USDA came out with with the different regulations to stand up the hemp program, and if there and if something wasn't working, working, they were they were fairly reasonable and quick to pivot and say, okay, we get it. You know, let's what else can we do here to to help the industry and to help the farmers? And so we already have a healthy relationship, and I can't imagine um, anyone coming in that's going to completely rewire that dynamic. Yeah, absolutely, and well, so. On that, and just kind of uh, to finish here, when we talk about the hemp, I mean, major decision by New York State to not only not submit a plan, but then for Senator Schumer uh, to call on the USDA to delay implementation of the hemp program for a year, right? So that that the talk the the clock is ticking there. Do you think that really to get a program that is palatable for these, you know, uh, you know, ag and mar- you know, uh, departments of agriculture and farmers. And I mean, we talk about the THC threshold being raised at 
the farm bill, the next farm bill is the next opportunity? Or do you think that there is opportunity through legislation and to continue to work through the agency, the rulemaking process, that we can have a program that really works for the country and farmers? Yeah, no, I don't think we have to wait till the next farm bill. That's obviously the like a go-to mile marker, but mm -hmm. we have economic pressures because of COVID and everyone is very mindful of that. And we, um, so I think through the agency, there are plenty of, I mean, almost everyone on the Hill has an egg constituency, a smaller or large percentage, but so they all have empathy in that way. Um, and I would like to think that, um, that we can kind of pull that together. Yes, the glass is half full and I'm not wearing my pink glasses right now, but I, but I do think that there'll, there will be some coming together to help the hemp farmers and help the industry. Excellent. Well, I, we definitely all hope so. So Tammy, thank you so much for coming on. Now, how can people get in touch with you? If, I mean, yeah, thank you for sharing, you know, just a few of your amazing insights with us today, but you know, if someone really wants to, you know, engage and, 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 and learn a little more from you, how, how do people get in touch with you? Well, they can certainly ring my, uh, my mobile or they can check out my website is TammyLWall.com and they, or they can email Tammy at TammyLWall.com. Excellent. Well, thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing in Washington. And thank you for keeping us informed. And I'm sure we're going to have you back to ask more questions because things are heating up and things are changing and the political dynamics in the country around cannabis are shifting rapidly. I mean, it's it's gotten to a tipping point, a critical mass, I say, and uh, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle at this point. <laughs>